0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au. 2 Kings chapter 4. You glad you're in church this morning? Amen. 2 Kings. Chapter 4, I'm reading from verse 8. Word of God says this. One day Elisha went to Shunem and a well to do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man so often comes our way, he's a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a, in a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. And then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, "Call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Well, well what can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elijah said to her, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway about this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, a man of God. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. Child grew. And one day he went to his father, who was uh, with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. My, his father told a servant, and I love this part. I think there's some humor sometimes in the Bible. Carry him to his mother, you know. What does does a dad do when his kids are in trouble? Take him to his mother. Uh, After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to the mother, the boy sat her on the lap until noon and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door. She called for her husband. Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God and and call him. Um, Go down to 31. Uh, Ghazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Ghazi went back to meet Elijah and told him, the boy is not awakened. When Elijah reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. So he stretched himself out upon him and the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got onto the bed and stretched one more time upon him, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elijah summoned Ghazi and said, call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground, and then she took her son and went out. And so, Father, we just commit this word to you. I thank you that your word is powerful. This word that was written thousands of years ago still has the power uh, to change and transform our lives. And, Father... I just pray that there would be freedom to speak and to receive the word. Let Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. And Father, just as we're praying, we also commit uh, this prayer request. Laura, to you has tumors, Father. Just believe in the name of Jesus that you can heal body, soul, and spirit. Pray for a miracle in her life. As this woman received today, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, We've been in a series entitled It's Time to Pray. And key verse for the series comes from Daniel. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and in fasting. I I, I love that. So So I turned to the Lord. Daniel was going through some things. How did he resolve what he was going through? Well, what he decided to do was he turned to the Lord in prayer. And petition and fasting. You know, when it comes to prayer, most of us understand the importance and the value of prayer. Certainly, if you've been part of church, you understand how important prayer actually is. The disciples saw Jesus do miracles, heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, preach and teach, but they never asked Jesus. Listen, they never said to Jesus, Oh, oh Jesus, will you teach us how to do miracles? They, they never they never said, Jesus, look, you did you did an amazing thing there. Will you teach us how you did that? What they did ask is, they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Because they understood something about the power of prayer. They understood the link between prayer and what, and what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And so they asked, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, well, this is how you should pray. Our Father which art in heaven. And we looked at that last week. The um, problem is not in the knowing problem is in the doing when it comes to prayer. There's a lot of reasons why prayer is tough, but one of the reasons is because it's a spiritual weapon. That whenever we enter into prayer, we enter into a spiritual warfare, we are into, into a spiritual battle. When Daniel received an answer to his prayer, the angel said, since the first day you prayed, you've, you, you, you were heard. In other words, as you began to pray, you were heard. But I, I was resisted in coming by, uh, Because of the Prince of Persia. You know, there was resistance to his prayer. Why is it that so often prayer can be difficult and and can be challenging at times? One of the reasons is because it's a spiritual battle. It's spiritual warfare. And that ought to remind us of the power of prayer. And so the purpose of these messages is not so much to make us feel guilty about prayer. Because whenever we hear messages about prayer, often we start to think, you know, I need to pray more. I, I, sh- I should be doing more. Uh, and we feel guilty because we don't pray like we should or as often as we should. And that's certainly not the purposes of these messages. The purpose of these messages is to encourage you to pray and teach you how to pray. Because once you experience the power of spending time with God, uh, your life will never be the same again. When, when, you, when you experience the power of experiencing the presence of God, you, you will never be the same again. And you keep going back for more. For some people, you know, this whole concept of Christianity where they say it's all in your head. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how can any of this be real? And, and I want you to know that Christianity isn't just not a religion. It's about a relationship. And in a relationship, we speak. We, we, in a relationship, we speak to each other. And, and we have a relationship with God. And, and one of the things that we believe is that we can speak to God and God can speak to us. And the, and the vehicle of that relationship is prayer. How do we speak to God? We pray, we seek God, we cry out to God, we speak to Him and He speaks back to us. And, and if we would really understand the power of that, it would change our lives. That the Creator of the heavens and the earth wants to have a relationship with you and me. And As we, as, as we dwell with Him, as we spend time with Him, things begin to change in our life. So as I said, once you experience the power of spending time with God, you keep going back for more. And that's what I want to speak about today. I want to speak about making room for His presence. And, and I, I want to look at this subject uh, within the context of the story we, led, we read in the, in, in the text. As we, as we read, Elijah is a prophet. Elijah would visit different cities. And one day, he goes to this place called Shunem. And a well-to-do lady finds out that he's there. She urges him, says the Bible, to come to his house for a meal and he goes to the house for, for this meal. Now, I don't know what the meal was. I got a hunch it was Mongolian beef. Any, 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 any fans out there? Cashew chicken, maybe spaghetti vongole. Maybe a curry, uh, fish and chips for some others or a roast or something. Uh, the meal was so good, he kept going back for more. And uh, every time he was in town, he would stop at their house for a meal. And the wife has this idea one day. She says to her husband, why don't we build a room for the prophet? And so husband agrees. They build a room for him on the roof. Uh, And one day the prophet asks the servant, what can we do for her? Gehazi says, "Uh, she doesn't have any children. And so uh, Elijah prophesies over her life. And he says, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. How powerful was that? And sure enough, she does. But sometime later, as the boy grew up, uh, Bible tells us that he had a headache one day as he was with his father and he dies. And uh, she, he, she, the father brings him home. And by the time the child gets home, he's dead. And so she, the mother grabs this child, puts him on Elijah's bed and, uh, and, and leaves him there. And she goes after Elijah and call him and eventually he comes back. Bible says he prays. He prays to the Lord and as he prays for this child, the child comes back to life and, and uh, the boy lives again. Miracle happens. It's a simple story and yet I believe a powerful story that has so much to say to us. And, and it, above all else, it speaks to us about how, about how we can make room for the presence of God in our own lives. Three things that come out of this story. Uh, if we, if we want to experience uh, the presence of God, one, one of the things that we need to do is we need to value the presence of God. Elijah was a prophet. A prophet was someone who spoke on behalf of God. He would bring the Word of God to the people. And a prophet wasn't just any individual. Um, the prophet was a carrier of the Word of God. He was a carrier of the presence of God. He wasn't just anybody. He was someone who represented God, he would speak on behalf of God. That's what a prophet did. And I want us to see Elijah this morning in the same way in our own lives. I want us to see Elijah as representing the word of God or the presence of God, the spirit of God, the glory of God. I want us to see Elijah representing that in our own lives. And notice what the Bible says. One day Elijah went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman there was, who urged him to stay there for a meal. And as I said, if we're going to experience the presence of God, we need to value His presence. Now, notice Elijah was passing through the city; he would have passed by many people, he would have rubbed shoulders with many people, talked to many people. But this woman sees the same prophet, and she sees him completely differently. She understands something of the value of who the, who he was and what he represented in her life, and 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 uh, she doesn't just see him as an individual. She sees him as a man of God and she says, I want you to come to my home. And the Bible says she urges him. The word urge there is a a strong word. She she constrains him. It's almost like she forces him to come to their house for a meal. And Elijah could have just passed on by in this town. But this woman says, no, 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 you're not just going to pass by. I want you to come to my home. I, I need you to come into my home listen, church, very carefully, if we're going to experience the presence of God, we need to understand the value of God's presence. We need to understand the value of the Word of God. We need to understand the value of His Spirit in our lives and, and His presence and who He is in our lives. We need to understand how important this is in our lives. Some of us have religion to the side. Some of us believe, well, religion is just something you do on a Sunday morning. And, you know, well, I'll do the Sunday religious thing and then I'll live my life the rest of the week. This woman said, no, 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 no. I don't want him to just pass by. I want him him to come into my home and I want him to come into my house. And I want to tell you that when we invite Jesus into our life, when we invite him into our home, something changes, something happens. Billions and billions of people all around the world go to church on every Sunday. They don't go to church just because of a religious thing. They don't go to church just because, you know, it's the religious thing to do because they've been brainwashed by someone. We go to church Sunday after Sunday because God has made a difference in our life, because God has changed something in our lives, because we're not the people we used to be. And by the grace of God, He's transformed us. And we are a better version of us because of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? And I I love this passage because we need to understand the value of God's presence and we need to go after His presence. God never forces Himself into anyone's home. God's knocking on the door. He's saying, hey, I want to come in and have a meal with you, but we got to open the door. He's never going to force Himself in. He's never going to bulldoze the door down. He's always going to knock on the door and say, hey, I want to come in, but you got to decide whether He comes in. We need to go after His presence. We need to invite Him in. And that's what prayer is really all about. That's what seeking God is all about. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. The Bible says, if you seek me with all your heart, you, you'll find me. And, that, and, that, and that's why we pray and seek God. It's God, I need you. It's God, no, you, you're not just going to pass by. It's God, no, you, you, you can't just be present in the room. I need you in my life. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my home. We need you in our church, Lord God. You can't just pass by. You can't just be going down the street and kind of pass by our church or pass by. I need you in my home. I appreciate you doing things all over the world, but we need you here. So so, so many times we come to church and God is present. So many times we come to church and we sense the presence of God or we, or, we, or we feel the presence of God or God is passing by, but we never experience His presence because we have a passive heart to, towards Him. We, we, we have this kind of a, oh, well, we'll see how things go. I'll see you next week. But this woman responds to the presence of God. She says, you're not just going to pass by. Come on, church. You're not just going to pass by. I need you in my home. I need you in my life. I I need you with me. I need to hear your voice. I need to feel your presence. I need you in my situation. I'm desperate for you, oh God. We will never experience the presence of God if we don't value the presence of God and if we don't invite Jesus to come into our home. And by home, I'm not speaking necessarily about our physical home. I'm speaking about the home in our heart, to invite Him in the home that represents our heart. God always responds to people, invite him into their life and into their home. David says, my soul thirsts and pants and longs for the living God. I just want to come and see the face of God. Second thing that we need to do for to experience the presence of God, we need to feed the presence of God. Notice what the Bible says. One day Elijah went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman was there. She urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there. She fed him, and every time the prophet passed by, he would go to the same house for a meal. Listen, there, there's a principle in life that we need to all understand. Listen really carefully. You know, whatever you feed grows, and whatever you starve dies. That 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 applies to a lot of areas in our life. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. If you feed hurt, it's going to grow. If you feed cynicism, it's going to grow. If you feed your wounds, they will grow. If you feed bitterness, it's going to grow in your life. If you feed fear, it will continue to grow in your life and you'll be, you'll be consumed by fear. If you feed on social media all your life, you're going to be consumed by it. I tell you, it's, I don't know if it's just an age thing, but it's bothering me more and more and more. Everywhere I go, I just see these people, you know, you know, I see people in restaurants and they're, and they're, and they're sitting down and, and they're both on their mobile phones, not talking to each other. I'm there. What's wrong with you? People, are, I see, I see people just walking the street and they're walking like this. It's got this guy. If we if, if if this is what we feed in our life, we're going to be consumed by that. How many likes did I get? Our whole self, uh, you know, uh, uh, perspective of ourselves is going to be driven by what are people saying about me and what other people are doing. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. And that's true of negative things. It's also true of positive things. If you want to experience more of the presence of God, you you, you need to feed the presence of God. You need to invest in being intentional about growing the presence of God in your life it's why we talk about you know our vision here at church is to love god it's to grow together in other words growth is not just something that happens you need to be intentional about growing in your relationship with god and we believe that happens you know in the context of church but in the context of life groups if you water a tree it will grow if you stop watering it's going to die if you keep feeding your body guess what's going to happen it's going to grow but if you fast, it will not grow as fast. <laughs> Took me all week to come up with that one. It's not bad. <laughs> Same with the presence of God. Listen carefully. We wanna, you know, there are people that say, oh, Pastor Joe, I just want to get closer to God. I just want to hear his voice. I just, I just want to know God. In a, it's a powerful desire. That's where it all begins. But if that's all it is, it's going to go nowhere. Our desire needs to translate into action. What are the things that we need to do that feed the presence of God? I tell you what we need to do, we need to read the Word of God. Something powerful about the Holy Bible. It's not just some book. It's not just some, some book that's been written by a few people. This is the Holy Word of God. It's the breath of God says, says, that contains the breath of God, says the Bible. And it has the capacity to change our hearts and lives. Every time I read the Word, I find out something about, every time I read the Word, I get closer to God. We need to spend time with God. I talked about that last week. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. You need to pray in the Spirit. Uh, We need to worship God. How, how, How do we feed the presence of God? One of the ways is we begin to worship God and praise God. Pastor Joe, said, it okay to listen to worldly music? Well, you're not going to go to hell if you listen to worldly music. But from my perspective, if I got this kind of music to listen to, or I can listen to worship music that's going to bring me closer to God, i tell you which one I want to listen to. There's no amen there at all, man. I just got shot to pieces right there. Gonski, mate. <laughs> Why should I listen to music that's been motivated by the, you know, by, by, by the flesh, by, by worldliness, by... by, by something else it was certainly not God it's not going to bring me into the presence of God it's going to bring me somewhere else and I'm not saying it's going to send you to hell but it, but it's not going to bring me closer to God if I've got a choice I'd rather be listening to shout to the Lord in the name of Jesus I'd, I'd rather I'd rather be listening to God is here wherever I am because that stirs faith in our hearts and lives The Bible says that as we begin to worship, that God dwells in the praises of his people. In other words, as we begin to worship God, as we begin to praise God, God says, you know, I feel really comfortable in that environment. And we experience the presence of God need to come to church. There's something powerful about coming to church. It's, 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 it's declining. You know, for some people, church is, uh, uh, you know, kind of optional. Church is something, well, if I've got time, I'll do it. You know, if at least I'm coming to church once a month, that that'll, that'll be enough for me. And once a month is better than zero times a month. But you know, if we want to experience the presence of God like we really want to, we're going to be a little bit committed to the house of God. Because there's something very powerful about the house of God. There's something miraculous about the house of God. God says "We're two or three, you know, the cliche verse that we all know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And that's a powerful verse. What bothers me more than anything else is that we're, we're, we're misunderstanding or we're not understanding how powerful that actually is, that God says when two or three people gather together in His name, He is present. And if God is present, I want to be present in the name of Jesus. And that's true of church and that's true of uh, life groups. That's true of everything that God is doing. We need to listen to good podcasts, listen to good worship music. Every time we do those things, the presence of God begins to grow in our lives. Every time we do that, our awareness of God increases, our knowledge of God increases. We need to press into God, feed into the presence of God. Third thing we need to do is make room for the presence of God. Bible says, she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put him in a bed and a table and so on and so on. Do you notice the progression here? Do you notice the progression of, of what's happening here? Elijah's in town and the woman, she's urging him to come. She invites him into her home. And then she gives him a meal and keeps, he keeps on coming back. And now she's wanting to build a room for him. So that whenever he's in town, he can stay in their home. She doesn't want him to just visit. She wants wants him to stay. Listen carefully, church. If we want to experience more of the presence of God, then we need to make room for his presence. If we want to experience more of the presence of God, we need to make room for his presence. Now, this this could be speaking about a physical room. It could, it could relate to, how many people have seen the movie War Room? Come on, how many people have seen that movie? Powerful movie about the power of prayer. And, and here's this woman and she's going through a whole bunch of things. And, and what she does, it clears out the closet and turns that into a war room. It's a place where she goes, where she meets with God and cries out to God. It can represent a physical place, but it can also be a place in our heart. Paul says in Ephesians this, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Uh, the, the word dwell is that he may settle down and, and make himself at home in our hearts. It's beautiful. We want to create a room in our hearts. We want to create space in our hearts where God can come, where Christ can come and make himself at home. She builds a room in the, for the presence of God. Building a room is not easy. Takes time, takes finance, takes effort, costs you something. Notice, notice they built the room on, on the roof of the house. So many of us want God to be involved in our lives, but we want Him on the side. We want to put Him in the extension. Crea- Christianity is something we do on the side. You know, we, it's the Sunday thing. Hey, don't, don't bother what I do the rest of the week. Just leave me, leave me alone. You know, Monday, Monday to Saturday, that's my time. I'll give you Sunday. We put Him in the extension. Some people want to put him in the basement, in the cellar. I don't want to be caught saying oh, I'm a Christian. No, he's in the basement. He's in the cellar. If ever I need him, I can go down there and and you know uh, get whatever I need. Talk to him about whatever I need. If we're going to experience the benefits of the presence of God, then we need to make room for him, and that room needs to be above everything in our lives, above our dreams, above our agendas. Above our ambitions, our finances, it's not us deciding, it's what God wants us to do with our lives. Scripture that's been kind of foundational in my heart is delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's the kind of God that we serve. In other words, you put God first. It's a principle of Scripture that goes right from Genesis right through to Revelation. You put God first and He will give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put him first, and he will take care of the rest. That's why we worship on a Sunday. The reason why we worship on a Sunday is because um, is because we want to give him the first part of the week. We, we want to begin the whole week by worshiping God. We give him the first part, and the rest, you know, is, is what we do because if we put him first, the rest of the week is gonna be better. We often confuse tithing and all the rest of it, and but, but God says, you know, you give God the first part, and He'll take care of the rest. Wow, it's gone even quieter this morning in here. He says, you give God the first part, the first fruits, and and see, God says, if if your barns will not overflow, usually we want to give God our leftovers. But we still want to experience the benefits of God's presence. And I I love this. They build the room. And I don't want to read more into it than what's there. But I just love the imagery that they, they build the room for the presence of God above the house. Which speaks to me about, it's not what I want, it's what you want, God. When we build our houses, we build all kinds of rooms. The dining room, the lounge room, the theater room, cellar, outdoor entertainment area. How about we build a room for the presence of God? How about we build a room, a place where we meet with God and cry out to God? And what this woman didn't know, that as she was doing that, she was building a miracle room. When we make room for God's presence, we do two things. Listen carefully. When we build, when we make a room for God's presence, we do two things. First, it's a place of miracles. One day as Elijah is there, he's thinking these people have been so kind to us. What can I do? Ghazi says she doesn't have a son. He says call her in. And she prof- and he prophesies over her life. By this time you're going to have a son next year. And sure enough, that's what happens. Listen, church. One of the benefits of cultivating the presence of God is it's a place where miracles happen. It's where the impossible happens. It's where dreams come to pass. It's where God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's where the suddenly happens. Remember last week we spoke about the ice cube melting. It's minus 20 degrees and nothing's happening. And minus 19 and minus 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12. Nothing's happening. But the degrees are changing, one degree at a time. And then it hits zero degrees. And that's when suddenly the ice begins to melt. As we seek the presence of God, as we feed the presence of God, as we make room for the presence of God. It's in that room that God begins to do some great things in our lives. Now, I've experienced this. I'm not, I'm not talking about this in theory. I'm not, I'm not just telling you something I read in a book or, or heard somewhere. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, my own personal experiences. There's nothing I value more than the presence of God, making room for his presence. I love the story about Obed-Edom. Philistines had stolen the Ark of the Covenant from Israel, and wherever it went, they got tumours. So the Philistines were so afraid, eventually they gave it back to Israel. They said, we don't want this thing. And it ended up in the house of a guy called Obed-Edom. The Ark of the Covenant, you know, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what I'm talking about. Um, It represented the presence of God. It's where God would meet with the high priest. Listen what happened when they put the Ark of the Covenant into Obed-Edom's home? And the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God, because of the presence of God. That's the power of God's presence. We don't get miracles by seeking miracles. We get miracles by seeking God. And as we seek God, as we seek the presence of God, as we make room for the presence of God, one of the outworkings of doing that is God begins to move. God begins to speak. Its lives are changed. When we make room for his presence, not only is it a place of miracles, it's also a place of refuge. It's a place where we can go when our word world turns upside down. She has this sun. You can imagine the joy and one day the sun dies. And what she does is she picks up the sun and she puts him on Elijah's bed. In the room that represents the presence of God, if we cultivate the presence of God, not only is it going to be a place of miracles, it's going to be also be a place of refuge in difficult times. It'll be a place where you go when life doesn't work, when your expectations are met. So many people understand this principle when they're going through a tough time. They make room for the presence of God. It's powerful. And that's great. But it's even better if we make the room for the presence of God as a lifestyle. So we can walk into that room at any time. It's beautiful. So here they are in this difficult place. And she places him on Elijah's bed. And she calls for Elijah to come. And eventually he comes. And he prays. And the boy comes back to life. It's the power of the presence of God. Psalm ninety-one says, "He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress; my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from the deadly pestilence, He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, the key is to abide in the presence of God. God's desire, above all else, is to dwell with His people. God is looking for people that will make room for the presence of God. Now, you know, there's a hymn that comes out of this story. A hymn that we know quite uh, quite uh, regularly. Um, some of you may recognize that after his son dies, the woman goes uh, to call for Elijah And through his servant, he asks the woman, is everything okay? And the woman says, it is well. It is well. But it wasn't well for her because her son had died. Why, why, Why did she say it is well? She said it was well because she had faith that God's presence could see her through. She said it as well because she understood the power of the presence of God. That in God's presence, anything can happen. That in in God's presence, there's safety. In God's presence, there's security. In, In God's presence, there's power. In God's presence, there's the miraculous. She experienced it. And so she was willing to put her faith in God. Maybe today you're here and you need a miracle. I pray that we would make room for the presence of God in our own lives. But my my prayer is that this room as a church would become a room for the presence of God. I know this church values prayer. and We value seeking after God. Church that makes room for God's presence. We, We value prayer. And in this context today, we're gonna pray and believe that God is gonna move amongst us today. So we're gonna stand. We're going to anoint people with oil today and believe, just in case you think that this is some crazy ritual that, you know, these Christians do. It's not a crazy ritual. It comes out of the Scriptures. The Bible says in James, if is there's someone sick among you, call the elders of the church and let them anoint you with oil. And uh, the power of God is going to make you whole. We're going to believe for that today. My job is... Uh, is to just obey the Scriptures of God's Word. My job is not to defend the Scriptures of God's Word. God's Word and God defends Himself. My job is to preach the Word and challenge us to accept that Word and allow God to move in our hearts and lives. And I want to believe that God is going to move with with the miraculous in the name of Jesus. Music is going to lead us in a song of worship right now. and it's going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to come by faith. And what I'd like to do, we have... Um, with our leadership team. Any members of the leadership team here today, I want you to help us to pray. If you're part of the leadership team, I want you to come. You're going to help us to lay hands on, on those that are that have come forward for prayer. And, and I, I want us to pray in faith and believe that just as this woman received a miracle, that we too can in our lives, in Jesus' name. And so Father, I just pray that faith would be released. I bind that spirit of doubt I bind that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I bind those questions in Jesus' name. I just pray that the spirit of God would be released, that the power of God would be released right now in Jesus' name, that spirit of the miraculous would be, would be released in our hearts and lives today. So reach out, Father, to each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you need to come, you come in Jesus' name.